This episode of Guitar Radio Show is brought to you in part by... Isn't it time for a truly custom-made guitar? Unique design and construction. Handmade in America. Innovation to fuel your inspiration. Go to dnaguitarcompany.com. And also by... Hey everybody, Mark David from Guitar Radio Show. Have you heard about Lockknob? Lockknob.com? Lockknob is a revolutionary product invented by a musician for musicians, solving the long-time problem of lost settings. How many times have you been at a gig or a session only to have to reset all of your settings on your amp or your pedals because they move during transit? You can upgrade your existing knobs on your amp, pedals, mixer, guitar, almost anything with a pot with an all-aluminum quality made reusable knob that does more than just look pretty. Never lose your settings again. Lock it down with LockKnob. Go to LockKnob.com for more. Welcome to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder, and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but should. Here's your host, Mark Davin. Hey, people, our next guest is a, a guitar player that I got turned on to about, oh, I guess about three or four months ago. And in that time, I have uh, immersed myself in, uh, in the AGB, if you will. And... Uh, <laughs> and and uh, it's been a blast, and I'm and I and I want to turn you on to uh, Alistair Green. Alistair, welcome to Guitar Radio Show, man. Man, thanks for having me on, Mark. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, man, for coming on because uh, you know this is what this show is all about is is turning the world on to guitar players like you. Um, you know, you are a road dog. You've got a hell of a resume, and. Uh, and man, you can play the hell out of that guitar. Oh, thanks, man. Well, I, I I appreciate that. I've been you know working at it for a long time, so it's uh, you know nice to uh, nice to get noticed, I suppose, for your efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, y- your latest record is uh, "Trouble at Your Door." That's correct. Yeah, it, uh, came and- out about a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, and and um, you know, this I definitely want to ask you. You know, I want to get deep with you, and I ask you a couple of things about the record. Um, I mean, the title track is killer. I really like it a lot. But there's this one track on the record called um, "Calling for You." Yes. And it's this really kind of, you know, something you'd hear in a, you know, an after-hours club kind of subdued, but really this really soulful guitar playing. I mean, you know, you can rip with any of the other folks out there you can rip but to me it always speaks volumes when somebody can play this kind of real subdued but really smooth classy and soulful feel on this track um thanks man so for me it's like what was that all was that your les paul on there that was that was i'm trying 
trying to think now what that was. I think that was my Les Paul. I've got two Les Pauls. One of them's a 2009 standard that's chambered. Yeah. Um, just because my back isn't what it was when I was in my early to mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's chambered and it has a pair of the Seymour Duncan. A uh, whole lot of humbuckers in it, mm. and I think that track was that through my uh, early '70s Super Reverb. Um, I had a few different amps that I was using for that record. Yeah. I think the sound that we ended up using for that one was primarily the Super with, with some sort of a, a gain pedal. Okay, it's such a great I like sound. Exotic pedals, I actually. That? It's such a great sound. It's the sound that you know I'm always searching for. You know, it's so, so great. Uh, cool, man. Yeah, we were. I mean, that track. It's funny because a lot of people really like that track, and it's totally different than anything else on the album. Um, you know, I was kind of going for somewhere between kind of like an Otis Rush minor blues meets like a Peter Green thing. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Hammond organ in there kind yeah. of takes on a little bit of like maybe like an early deep purple vibe kind of you know mm-hmm. like child in time or something so it's kind of a combination of a few different influences and uh, yeah man people seem to like that one but the funny thing is I mean I'll be honest we never play it live because you know typically we want to kind of keep things up and upbeat and stuff like that and also you know we're a trio so we don't travel with the with an organ player and, and my buddy eric norlander who played organ on that i mean i think the organ really pulled that song together i mean it was interesting to hear it as just a trio but the hammond organ in there just really kind of made it so that all that space between the notes yeah was on this really you know nice bed of of, of uh, hammond sound so yeah it, it, it adds to the mood for sure yeah yeah absolutely well, I really like the record. I think it's really good. Um, there's another record of yours that I really like a lot, and it's uh, the Live in L.A. record. Oh, wow. Okay. Trippy. I haven't listened to that in a long time. Oh, you need to go back and listen to that. You're, you're, it's, such a, <laughs> it's such a good performance, and um, I really like the track uh, Beginning to Wonder, and you slip uh, this kind of fuel-injected version of Sissy Strut by the meters in there. Um, yeah, that was an interesting gig, man. That was, I mean, that's going back a ways. I'm, I'm hoping to do another live record at some point in the near future because that one was recorded so long ago. Yeah. And different, and I'm, I'm playing totally different, my tone's different, whatever, but there was a lot of energy in that show, and I don't think I played particularly cleanly, but I think there was a lot of, uh, a lot of passion in there because it was, you know, I think it was a BB King's or somewhere in L.A., and that was the first gig we'd done with this one organ player, uh, Steve Utstein, who had played with Junior Wells and some other people. And so it was just kind of an exciting gig. You know, there was like a cool energy to it. So yeah. uh, I'm glad you liked that, man. I haven't, you know, I haven't listened to that in a while. I mean, I think that was like recorded back in like 2002 or something. So. Uh, it was released. Or two for yeah. another live record. Yeah, it was released in 03, so... Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, man. I, you know, I I'm always looking at the live record because you know that's why I'm always I can always tell also, mostly I can always tell when a record's been you know, a studio record's been recorded with the band live, you know, or mostly yeah. live. And there's something about that spontaneity, you know. Um you know, it, it there's there really is something to that. 
you know, and and less rehearsal or the band has just played enough together that you don't have to do a whole lot of pre-production and you just go in there and blow, you know? Right. No, I, I especially think with the genre that my band performs in, that that's hugely important. Anything that's, that's that it has, you know, is improvisation-based and, uh, and whatnot, I think is best served, you know, in played live. I mean, I used to get, you know, really good energy that way and everything, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, when you're not doing AGB, you're sometimes you're out with um, the Alan Parsons project. That's correct. Uh, which the, now, AP, the APLP. Right. So there's the APLP, <laughs> and then there's the AGB. So, you know, <laughs> it makes it up, makes, you know, shorten everything down a little bit. Yeah, the Alan Parsons live project, Alistair Green Band, or oh, we can just put initials to them, so. Well, <laughs> You know, there's SR, there's SRV, right? So, right. I mean, why not? Sure, why not? Um, so, when you go and do that, how how does everything change for you? I mean, granted, you're not you're not fronting the band, so it's a whole lot easier from that perspective, you know. But um, yeah, and you know, your, your role changes there. But what is your prep for something like that? Well, you know. It's a lot different in a lot of ways playing-wise because, you know, what we were just talking about as far as, like, playing live and blues and improvisation, you know, this stuff is, you know, was recorded fairly meticulously and put together, and so the presentation of it live is, you know, in a way like we're tracking live because everyone's very focused on doing these parts, right? It's very parts-oriented. There's, you know, a lot of, you know, different chord sequences that aren't, you know, necessarily ones that you'd be playing, playing, you know, blues rock or whatever, like in my band. And uh, so typically, you know, I listen to this material a lot, and the majority of the guitar solos, I try to get them pretty close to what was on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few there's a few times where I kind of go and do a little bit of improvising and stuff. But, you know, that kind of, anything that's like that classic, you know, the fans are going to want to hear it you know, close to the studio record. They real, I mean, you realize it's not going to be like the studio record. They want to hear everyone's personalities in that context. And Alan's great that way. I mean, we all get to, you know, express ourselves in the context of that music. But it is like, you know, here are the parts. This is the song. And so it's, it's interesting. I usually, before we go out on tour, listen to everything, play along and stuff again just to kind of get it back under my fingers. It's a, mm-hmm. lot, of, a lot of material, you know. I mean, yeah. When we do play a show, it's typically, you know, 20-something songs. I think over the seven years I've been in the band, I've, you know, learned 30 or 35, 40 songs. And, um, you know, there's a lot to them to get in there and really, you know, find the parts, find the tones. I use, you know, a different amp setup, you know, pedal board and stuff like that when I go out with him, so it's some different sounds and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's completely different from what, I do with my band, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, it's a great challenge for me. I mean, I've learned a whole lot playing those songs, especially because the guy that's on the record, so then I'm Ian Branson, for the most part, yeah. completely different guitar player than me. Completely yeah. different guitar player. You know, this guy, you know, this guy probably, you know, I mean, this melody is just probably tamed to him, you know, it's very much more arpeggio-based, um, you know, great, you know, modal things that he would do with his solos. 
And from what I've heard, and I'd always, I'd ask Alan, I was like, did this guy like go home and like work work these solos out for like days? Because everything sounds like perfect, you know? All the chords are outlined and all the passive tones and a lot of content, it's, you know, it's crazy. And I was like, no, he pretty much just kind of come in and take a few passes and that's kind of what he'd come up with. And I was like, what? That's <laughs> you know? amazing. So. So, yeah, it's, just, it's a big challenge for me, you know. Yeah, so what is it like? Is it Al, Does Alan just pass you charts, or, or, you, or does he say, go check out the records and go from there? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely go listen to the recordings. There's a couple of songs with, uh, you know, that have a lot more of the, you know, longer chord sequences in them that, that he had some charts for. You know, a couple of people have made a couple of charts along the way. I've made a few charts here and there for some of the songs when I was first learning them. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you put on the headphones and you <laughs> keep your guitar out and try and figure stuff out. And, you know, you do the best you can. And he, you know, he knows, you know, like, there's some voicings on there that are that are pretty obscure on some of the records. And to, to really, I mean, you know, you've listened to things. Every guitar player has tried to pick things up off a record. Sometimes you just can't quite what something is and you just come up with what you think is close mm-hmm. and and sometimes that ends up being you know cool too yeah <laughs> you know so yeah, yeah. there's definitely some songs where I'm not playing exactly what's on the record and I've come up with you know something that works and every once in a while I'm like oh that's actually this chord or I think it's this part and then sometimes it's like no it sounds great you know just do that you know again it's part of you know, being, being your own player and learning stuff and kind of putting your own sort of personality into right. the situation that you're in. And you've actually done some records with him as well, right? I've done a few, yeah, I've done a few songs over the years. I played on a couple songs on uh, a record called A Ballad Path that mm-hmm. came out in, I think, 2003. And he's done a couple um, singles and a couple re of things <laughs> that I've done in the studio with him. And uh, now there's two live albums. There's a live album that came out in 2013 that was recorded in Germany. And just this year, a couple months ago, he put out uh, this live DVD, CD, Blu-ray, vinyl thing from the show we did in Columbia. Right. Orchestra and a choir. Wow. So how did, how did this happen? For, for, the, for the working musicians out there or the musicians that want to get a gig, you know, as a side person uh, while they're working on their own thing, how, how did this happen that you got this gig? Well, the short answer to that is I said yes every time someone called me about going and doing a session or playing a gig. Uh-huh. That's the short answer. <laughs> you know, because not, it's funny one, because I've I've heard and, and, I've heard so many people say yeah. that you know never say no. Right, never say no until you don't need fifty dollars or you don't need a hundred dollars <laughs> or you're completely satisfied with your musical life as it is. Right, because you never know what opportunity is going to turn into the next opportunity, mm-hmm. and I do think that there may still be some situations out there as far as sidemen work that are you know audition based like oh man I gotta get a tape to Ozzy or whoever you know what I mean like yeah, I still yeah. think some of that may happen and when we're growing up we think it might just be that easy you know if I can get a tape to these guys or if I can get someone to make a call 
usually by the time you and I hear about a gig being open that needs a guitar player, that gig's been filled because the band knows somebody already right. that they're going to ask to do it, either because it's their friend right. or based on recommendations from their friends. Sure. Um, I got the gig playing with Alan, kind of, you know, a long story. I'll try to make it somewhat succinct, but a friend of mine who was a DJ at a uh, radio station in Santa Barbara had met Alan at some radio function, and this DJ also had kind of a country rock band, and he'd seen me playing, I think, with my band at some point, and asked me if I would do some shows with him and maybe play on this record he was working on. And you know, I didn't, so I didn't know anything about his associations or affiliations with anybody. I just knew that he was, you know, a guy just trying to make some music. And so I went, and, you know, did some gigs and played on this record. And it turned out he was doing overdubs at Alan's home studio at the time. And so I met, you know, Alan was an engineering, someone else was engineering, but so I met Alan at his home studio. He came in and watched me tracking and hung out for a little bit and. Asked me for my phone number when I was done, and a year later he called me to play on his record. And, you know, seven years, six years after that, he asked me to substitute for his then guitar player, Godfrey Townsend, his phenomenal guitar player, substitute for him on a short tour because Godfrey had some other things going on. And then about six months later, he decided, he decided to hire some guys that were closer to where he lived in the Los Angeles area. And he ended up asking me to be one of those guys. And, you know, along the way, you know, I'd go to see the shows and I sat in a couple times and, you know, we hung out a little bit socially and stuff like that. But I wasn't like trying to get the gig. Like, you know, I'm going to try and get this guy out so I can get this gig. But at the same time, I was like, well, if this gig comes available, I would like to make it known that I'm willing and ready and able to do it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense, Kenneth? Mm-hmm. So. You know, am I a country rock guitar player? No, but I like it, and I, I can kind of fake my way through it. You know, am I a progressive rock guitar player? No, but, I, you know, I learned enough stuff, and that, I think, would be the other part of the question you're asking is, you know, say yes to all the gigs, and also, I mean, if you like a style of music, you know, it may not be like, you know, your, your favorite thing that you play every day, it's good to learn a bunch of different stuff. The more you play, the better you get, the more people you meet, and then you come to have an appreciation of a lot of these different other kinds of music that you might normally, yeah, you might for not sure. normally have an appreciation for. For sure, yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, you know, I may not be in love with, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something that I've played in the past. I'm not a big, you know, sort of Latin jazz, you know, or funk guy. I mean, I like listening to some of it, but I've played, you know, hundreds of gigs with those kinds of bands because I wanted to get good, and then I eventually fell in love with that music mm-hmm. by putting myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So. Totally. That was, that was a long version. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. So getting back to your record, yeah, actually, you know what? saying everything that you said just now about about getting that gig and now you're out on the road with him and you're going to be out on the road with Alan again into into 2017 um, how do you find the balance between trying to do what you do for you know for AGB and then also doing this 
this stuff with Alan. How do you find a balance and able to nurture both? Well, I mean, that is, you know, that is, you know, the challenge because I think, you know, if you ask any musician or any guitar player, it's like you want to do everything, you know, and I would definitely want to do everything, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it takes a lot of concentration to get the dates organized, know that I'm going to have a block of time here to devote to my band. We're going to go on tour with Alan here. And just keep an eye on the ball and, and keep working. I mean, I think, you know, as far as making a living playing a guitar, being a guitar player, being a musician in general, you have to, you know, do a lot of different things simultaneously. You know, I've taught, you know, like I said, I was playing a lot of different other kinds of bands. Mm-hmm. Everyone's had day jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, you do whatever you can to make a living. I mean, the only guys that are that are that are completely just doing one thing are you know either playing in huge bands or they're on the road constantly with mm-hmm. you know whatever the project is that they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan Alan probably does you know between forty and fifty dates a year. That translates into you know somewhere like two or three months. You know, maybe four months. The rest of the time. You know, I've got all that other time. I can be writing my songs, playing my tunes with my band, working on getting another record out, that kind of thing. So you have to constantly be working everything, I think, in order to kind of have a, a successful career. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's basically what I do here is I've got this show. I do I do background music for TV shows and, and movies here in Austin, and you know, and I'm and I'm trying to get other stuff going on too. So it's right. yeah, I, I get you, I get you. Gotta um, do it all. You got to do it all. You do absolutely. Um, so th- there's another track on the record I wanted to ask you about on uh, on the Trouble at Your Door record. It's a track called Back Where I Belong. Yeah. And uh, there's some overdubs going on there, so just a little bit, but there's an open tuning on there. Right. From what I can tell. What what key is that? That's a D, so there's one guitar, and the guitar that's panned right is just open D. No, I'm sorry, drop D, and the guitar that's panned to the left is a slide guitar part that's in open D. Right. And the open D guitar, I think, was my early 80s Les Paul, the one that weighs like 50 pounds. And then I think the guitar that's on the right was just drop D, and I think that might have, that was either my other Les Paul or my SG. Right. And, you know, that song, I was, you know, it was kind of sort of in that canned heat boogie kind of thing. Yeah, that's it cool. It a little bit. Little bit of a southern rock vibe, mm-hmm. and so I tried to sort of create the two guitar, the two guitar thing where they yeah. kind of play the same thing, then kind of go off and do other things, right? Trade off solos and stuff live. It's not a problem. I, you know, I'll, I'll I do that song live, just drop D and I'll play slide for the first part of the solo, and then you know, put the slide down and go to you know, single notes and stuff like that. Okay, so it is so, but, so live you're doing it standard tuning. With a drop yeah, D. Well, I do in drop D. Drop so, D. So, yeah, okay. I just do that. And that's a different, you know, that's a different world playing slide and standard versus open. But, uh, you know, it's fun to try. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I spoke to so many people about, about slide, like like Joanne Connor and, and uh, J.D. Simo, 
uh-huh. you know, and and they always tell me I always I'm always fascinated because I love to play slide, but I cannot play slide on a low action guitar. But there are some yeah. there are some people that can do that. Like Simo is one of those guys. He's got the he got the action really low. He's just got this really light touch. How's that work for right. you? Well, typically, typically if I'm playing with my band, I'll have three guitars with me, and one will be basically set up to just play slide or the slide songs. We yeah. do a bunch of songs that are in open E some songs in open A and then some songs in I'll use a capo within those two tunings to go to B or C or F sharp or whatever it is and so I'll have a guitar that's just set up for that and then I'll have a guitar that's the other two guitars are typically ones that you know I could play you know some slide on if I needed to I'll have one I mean really I kind of hedge my bat like well if I had to break a string on that I could do those songs on this guitar Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and so I'll usually have something, like I've got an SG that I can kind of go in between with. I can play slide and standard tuning on that. I've got the action a little bit higher. And then uh, I use uh, uh, a music man, Steve Morris, for my slide guitar. And uh, and then my whatever the main guitar is that I'm playing, just for the other single note song, it just kind of changes depending on you know, what phase I'm in as far as what guitar I'm in love with that particular week. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone on that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's hard to stay kind of... I mean, there's a lot of great guitars out there now, a lot of, a lot of great builders, and, you know, maybe I'll have the used gears on the market, and, and sometimes it's just really hard to go, okay, this is my main axe. Yeah. I think it's different maybe now than, you know, than it was back in the day. I mean, if you look at some of the guys, like Rory Gallagher, Really I Yeah, I mean, and and you seem to be mostly like a Gibson guy, huh? Well, you know, I've, I was, I've been a Gibson guy for, for, I would say, the majority of my career. Recently, I've been taking some Music Man guitars out on tour with both my band and with Alan. Um, we did a couple of shows last year where we opened for Deep Purple. Actually, I had three shows in... 
That's uh, cool. I knew about, I knew about, you know, there's something about Gibson. It's just, you know, that is a classic, a classic rock, classic blues rock, you know, guitar. They made, you know, some of the most iconic sounds ever. So it's, it's hard not to love those as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what what are you going out on the road with amp-wise? Well, you know, with Alan, it's typically a backline situation for mm-hmm. us. We're going somewhere for an extended period of time. Um, most of the dates that we do in the United States, you know, are weekends. You know, we'll fly somewhere. Um, I'm taking, again, I'm taking a long way around the bar to answer your question. <laughs> but... Uh, so a lot of it depends on the backline. Um, if I have my preference and I'm able to get what I want if we're in Europe or other places, I've been using Kettner amplifiers. Uh, I fell in love with the Tubemeister series a few years ago in the context of playing with Alan because it's a, you know, three channels. You can dial the wires down. It's not a loud band to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm. So on stage, if you're standing in the middle of the stage, and the band was playing the most rocking song, you would basically hear the drums and some bass. And that's all you would hear. Right. Because the guitars can, the guitars fairly low, you know, the acoustic guitars are all direct, the keyboards are all direct. Mm-hmm. And we're using in-ear monitors, so there's not a lot of, like, side fills and, and loud speech monitors and anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it became really apparent to me early on that I had to use an amplifier that would sound good and you know a lot of backline stuff it's just going to vary the quality I mean typically you know be Marshalls or whatever and uh, you know I love a great Marshall as much as the next guy but when you're talking about you know whatever the uh, KCM 2000 TSLs or DSLs I think there's just you know there's just they're all going to sound a little bit different mm-hmm. you know yeah. some are going to sound good at a low volume and some aren't the clean channel on this one sounds good so I can still I can still use those and I can get through shows with those that's not a problem you know some of them sound great the Houston Kettner stuff is just very consistent and it, you know like I said you can dial the wattage down to like one watt or five watts wow. and get this saturated tone if you want to you know, for solos or for some of the, you know, harder rocking rhythm parts, you can get these, you know, fairly saturated tones and you can barely hear it coming out of the air. And so, it's, so I was just like, well, that's a win. You know, I don't have to struggle against, you know, with the front of house guy who's saying, hey, your guitar, you know, the guitar's too loud on stage. It's like, well, that's the only way it's going to sound good. And inevitably, you need to please the front of house guy because he can just mute all your guitar solos if he does them off. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. But, but not every situation, you know, not every you know situation is the same. The 
size of the room. You can't, you know, I guess you have to sometimes turn certain amps up to a certain volume to get them to sound good. So they told me about this amp they have called the Pure Tone, which is like a 112. Again, it's a variable wattage amp, and it's really, I mean, it's kind of, I guess to me it kind of reminds me of a key twin in a way, in that it's like, if you want to get any sort of gain out of it, you have to turn it up all the way. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, and that's a sound, and that's a great sound, but that's not the point. I want the clean headroom, just pristine, so that whatever the pedals are that I'm using will color that. Because otherwise, you need to own, you know, four or five different amps to go do all your different bar gigs. Yeah, for the different sure. sizes of the rooms, you for know? Sure. yeah. And there's something to be said for that. I've got some friends of mine that are great blues players, and they've got an amp for every situation. If they know what the room is, they'll bring the whatever, the 110 combo, or they'll bring the, you know, 212 or whatever it is, but I just, I, you know, I, A, I can't afford that, and B, I don't have space in the garage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have been leaning towards this way of doing things with my band. It just kind of makes it easier for me, and, and the pure tone's great just because you can, you can get loud. You can turn it up and get loud, and then, you know, you still have your pedals to kind of get those you know, distorted tones or overdriven tones or whatever it is. Right. So what kind of pedals are we talking about? Well, I use an exotic AC booster for my my general just kind of rhythm tone. I think that's the yellow one, if I'm not mistaken. That's the, it's a yellow overdrive pedal. And it's not, I mean, it doesn't go, it doesn't get super saturated. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I put... I typically, I kind of experiment a little bit, depending, depending on, you know, how many pedals I want to have on my board at any given time. I'll put, like, a boost pedal in back that I can front it out in the chain. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get, like, the EP booster, the product EP booster as well. So, I'll hit that, and then that'll drive the EC booster, kind of like if you were driving the front end of an amp with a, with a boost pedal or a gain pedal. Sure. So... It'll kick the volume up a little bit mm-hmm. for solos. It just kind of saturates it a little bit more. Yeah. So that's kind of the overdrive route that I run. I've got a couple other things that I run. And I've got an old tube screamer that's cool that I'll break out every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I've got a, one of those full-tone OCD pedals that's good. I mean, that's a little bit more of a harder rock-sounding pedal, but that can be fun to have on the board sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that is kind of the essential to me is uh, a Strymon Flint pedal. Yeah. And that they make killer stuff. They just came out with a new overdrive. I haven't checked it out yet. But um, the Strymon Flint, for those that don't know, is basically two pedals in one. It's a it's a tremolo and it's a reverb. And you can also do like you know, there's like an extension pedal you can run off it, like as a favorite switch. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that pedal basically can turn any amp into an old Fender amp because you've got three different reverb settings, you know, based on three different decades, and the same thing with the tremolo. There's three different tremolo settings, and so, like I said, the Pure Tone is just a clean amp. There's nothing on that thing. There's no reverb. There's no tremolo. There's nothing. It's like volume, you know, treble, bass, and mid. Done. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing is it's it's simplicity having all, you know, I think things got really complicated. I mean, I remember in the 
late 80s, early 90s, everybody was using a rack, and it was just like, give me a break. Right. I just can't handle this. Right. You know, I never did the yeah, rack. Yeah, I, I never went down that road. I mean, I think also, I mean, the guys using the racks typically were a lot of the, you know, bigger guys that were touring with, you know, big bands, and they could afford to have a tech to take care of all that stuff. I mean, sure. if you were to, if you were to ask me to put a rack together, I'd be like, can't do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I do not possess the electronic knowledge to do that. <laughs> um, I know some guys, you know, there are some guys that use racks just to kind of uh, activate their pedals. Yeah. You know, so like Warren Haynes has a rack, but I, and, and like a foot controller, but mm-hmm. it's just to kind of turn different pedals on and off and mm-hmm. switch between amps and whatnot. Right. But if you're talking about all that rack mounted delays and choruses and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, that, yeah, there's no way I could, I could, I could even begin to understand how yeah. all that would work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hear you. So, beyond what's happening in the in the early part of January and into February with Alan, what's ahead for AGB? Um, well, we are working on a new record. We have it recorded, we have it mixed, and we're going to go into the next phase of seeing who is willing to maybe put out said record. And for anyone that's put out a record you just you know how many different steps to this process there are mm-hmm. and for those that don't know there's just a lot of steps to the process you know write the material record the material mix it mm-hmm. master it so, you know get photographs get artwork going. you know i mean there's just all these different steps to it so we're looking at a spring release oh, regardless cool. of, of what happens we're going to try and, and do that and We've got some. We've got some other shows coming up, um, and we've got like some, you know, little kind of road trips and tours planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing that is carved in stone that I can announce, but we're you know hoping for some bigger and better things for the Alistair Green Band in 2017. But uh, yeah, I've got a good group of guys right now playing, and and, and and we're playing great, and we've been doing so many gigs together. We just you know got done doing a little road trip we're going down you know the Long Beach in a, in a couple nights and we're you know playing all over California and, and uh, it's, it's very much you know well you've heard it it's very much like early ZZ Top and Cream and that kind of stuff and yeah. uh, a lot of fun man I have a lot of fun doing it and I'm hoping that we can continue to you know, get it out there and have more and more people check it out. Well, it's 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 a feel good it's feel good music and it's and it's it's definitely music for the tone junkies. You know. <laughs> cool. You know. Well, Alistair, I can't thank you enough for being on the show, man. It's uh, it was great to hey, talk man, to you. Thank you for yeah, we should, let's do it again sometime and talk about some more guitar stuff. I love it. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you ever get to Austin. You gotta gotta let me know, and I'll take you out for some barbecue. Well, you know what? I think we're gonna we're actually gonna be in Austin in a couple of few weeks, man. Are you really? I was looking at the. I gotta. I'll check. You know, after we get off the phone or whatever, I'll shoot me a message. I think we're gonna be we're gonna be in Austin with Alan in uh, the middle of November, and I may even have like a day off there. Oh, definitely, man. Let me know. We'll go and we'll go hit some guitar stores, man. Have you have you been to any? Have you been to any of the guitar stores here in Austin? I have not been to Austin, believe it or not. Oh. I've traveled, not, <laughs> not, you know, 
I've been to you know Mumbai, India, and Tel Aviv, Israel, but I've not been to Austin. <laughs> this is going to be dangerous, man. You're never going to want to leave. <laughs> All right. Well, it, it's we got to make a date of it then, man. If if you are, let me know. Shoot me a message, and uh, I'll show you around. Right on, brother, man. I appreciate that. All right. Hold on one second, but we're going to sign off right here. Check out Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, and Tumblr. And, of course, on GuitarRadioShow.com. I like this crowd already. GRS Productions. New episodes of Guitar Radio Show air every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbay, Player FM, Podomatic, and of course on GuitarRadioShow.com.